Today on Ovias and Gilio, we'll go back to Amelia Island, Florida. We will bathe ourselves in Himalayan sea salt and chat with Andrew Carter of the News and Observer. What's real? What's fake? What does the ACC do going forward? And our friend, Bomani Jones, ESPN, Right Time is the podcast. We'll get into hockey economics and, yeah, a little NBA. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past. You know that our pace is fast. And if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week. You just got to subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad. Don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all. This is going to be fun. Because when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the Canes to the ACC. Who knows more about this than us, the OG? Let's podcast Ovias, Gilio, and I feel like sometimes we when you do something really long, Joe. When you when you've been doing this job for as long as we've done it, sometimes you get like deja vu or like time is a flat circle type situations. Do you ever get that feeling sometimes when you when you look at the headlines? You go, wait a minute, wait a minute, minute. What year are we in right now? You ever get that feeling? You- Joe, how many times have I been to an NC State game with you where I say, oh, I've written this one before? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even to the point where I can do it before the game. So, yeah. This is a good point. So, shout out to Mark Ennis, Louisville, uh, who tweeted this out. UNC academic jokes. Greg Sway making up realignment rumors. Did I wake up in 2014? I would make the argument, Joe, that if you throw Paul Maurice, Florida Panthers head coach, back in the building talking about, oh, yeah, I got fired in this very spot. Then, as I joke with Luke Dukaka, the News and Observer, it, it's earlier than that. He suggested, oh, no, it's 2010. So welcome back to 2010, Joe. Welcome back to 2010, because we were in the height of the UNC academic scandal. If you want to talk about some old tweets, you and I were joking about it before the recording. Where's my Marvin Austin Club Live tweet? Let's go. Yeah, let's start there with Caleb Love, because this one, my spidey senses are tingling on this one. This one doesn't feel right. Okay. Um, if, if you missed the news yesterday, Caleb Love, apparently, according to different reports, didn't get admitted to Michigan based on yeah. his academic transcript, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. So he will not be continuing or finishing his career with Michigan. Instead, he'll go back into the portal again. Missouri has always made the most sense to me based yeah. on the style of play for Missouri and based on the opportunity and also based on the location to where he is from in St. Louis. So to me, that's always made the most sense. But something is not right here. There's either a power play going mm-hmm. on between Michigan and Juwan Howard, which would probably be the most likely explanation. There could also be a power play between Juwan Howard and whatever his collective is. Because remember, they lost Hunter Dickinson to Kansas. Yeah. And you got to imagine he could have taken a hometown discount to stay at Michigan. It's not like Michigan is is the home of the poor and doesn't have a few shekels to rub together to pay their sure. top basketball player. So that was weird. So maybe there's something going on there where they didn't want to, you know, we saw this with the high school kid at, at Miami and Florida where, oh, they didn't have the money they promised out of the collective and something happened there. There, there could be something there. It could mm-hmm. be the administration saying to Howard, Hey man, uh, we want you to win and we want you to win a certain way. We're not going to give you every player that you want, which, which seems like the most basic explanation right now. I do not buy this though. I do not buy this explanation 
that somehow Caleb Love wasn't academically qualified to play basketball well, at, at any okay. school. I don't I don't buy okay. that at all. Okay. So Matt Norlander, our friend over at CBS, uh, I had put the tweet up earlier on the YouTube portion of the show, and he said, Michigan's lofty admissions standards for a transfer means a higher bar needs to be cleared for most all credits from a prior school to carry over. And Michigan, the more credits there are to bring over, the less likely they all get kept depending on the transcript. Now, a lot of us can sit here and roll our eyes, but we do have an example of this with uh, Terrence Shannon. Uh, what was it? Texas Tech, I believe he Texas was at. He was, suppo- yeah. he was supposed to transfer. He ended up at Illinois, and mm-hmm. he was supposed to transfer to Michigan, and then that ended up becoming a huge saga over transcripts and whether or not he had the right classes to get into Michigan. So again, there's examples of this at Michigan. I was actually reading Field of 68 this morning on that matter. And they even said the joke was, uh, and the guy who wrote the newsletter today, apologies, I forgot who wrote the newsletter today. Uh, I highly recommend you check out Field of 68, by the way. Uh, And it was, you know, Michigan's academics plays the best defense in the state. Like they've had these issues before. And so there's the power play. That's the power power play. Right. Because, Joe, let's be honest, Aunt Becky's in a jail in California somewhere for something very specific to this. And that is every school lowers their admission standards for athletes. Okay, every single school that participates in NCAA sports, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Michigan. They Mm -hmm. all lower their standards for an athlete compared to a normal student. That's how the Varsity Blues case happened. Aunt Becky et al. figured out, oh, my daughter plays volleyball. I can get her (laughs) into Princeton. I could get my son, the lacrosse player, into Harvard based on a lower standard. And then you paying that coach a little extra money to take your kid to sit the end of the bench, right? So to me, every school lowers their standard, all right? It's not the same standard. Caleb Love getting in as a graduate student or as a transfer is not the same as James Giglio going to ECU next year and deciding, oh, Dad, I want to go to Ann Arbor and freeze my ass off and and watch terrible football. Okay, cool, son. That's awesome. I'm glad that you want to do that. But uh, you're probably going to have to have this academic standard. A little bit different than ECUs, right? Mm -hmm. So I get that for normal students. I am calling complete and total BS, though, on the athletes. This is a power play between their administration and Jawan Howard. That's all this is. And and spare me the Terrence Shannon. Spare me Caleb Love. Spare me the the Carolina jokes. Because Mm -hmm. if they wanted to support the guy and he wanted those players in, they would be in. See Harvard. See Princeton. See Yale. They don't have academic scholarships, but what they have are basically academic exceptions. Every school does this in Michigan. I can see the the guy's khakis. I can see him not eating the chicken, and it's making me want to pull my freaking hair out because this is such (laughs) Michigan man BS and and bluster and bullthrow, as the late, great Delacino used to say in the News and Observer newsroom, that I Mm -hmm. cannot – I have zero tolerance for this crap. If you pull out your Apologies, hair, can I? No, you can have it. Yeah. Apologies no, no, to can I have power it? back and all the Michigan people out there. I know. I know. I, anyway, I'm just saying, because you have plenty of hair, I could actually use some and maybe I can like apply it to uh, to the top. 
of my head. So one other basketball note. Now, Caleb Love is not coming back to UNC. Okay. No, I, know I, I expect him to be in Missouri. Missouri. So there's another bit of uh, ACC news this week, though. And Jeremy Roach uh, didn't get a, a combine invite. He's going he's gonna to be coming back to Duke. He's not going to go to the NBA. And he's also not going to transfer somewhere. I guess with NIL, it's more likely if you're going to be part of a really good team and you have a role on that squad, you're going to end up sticking around. And, and that's fine. Um, but it does put John Shire in an interesting spot at Duke right now where there's only one basketball. We're at the point where you can have a blue team and a white team at this point at Duke. My question is, you know, which one would you favor in the ACC next season, right? The blue team or the white team? Because right now, that veteran group is going to feature <laughs> It's going to feature Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor in the backcourt, right? Uh, you're going to have Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski. They have one scholarship remaining. Obviously, they want to go out and try to get a Derek Lively-type replacement. They need a big man of some sort. Um And then you got your incoming class. We saw this last year with Duke, though, Joe. And one thing that really I really liked about John Shire's first squad is that they rotated through guys. They all understood their roles. And if you're bringing most of those guys back, the only one from the class that you lost was Derek Lively. Well, then they're going into this knowing the deal. And Duke is obviously going to be showing up in that number one spot in the AP Top 25 poll. They're going to be favorites next year. Yeah, I love it. I, I think Roach will be their Quinn Cook, their you know North Star. I guess is now the new language. Yeah, I, I think Roach is going to have a really good year. Housekeeping. Couple of housekeeping notes before we bring on Andrew Carter of the News and Observer. Uh, shout out to Soundoff uh, Anna, who's been working on our graphics and whatnot for uh, for the Ovias and Julio experience here. Yeah, that's not us. That, that's, that, that, that's, we've been getting help. Yeah, we've been getting help. Been awesome. That. She's been. In fact, you noticed the new little wadded up yellow pad with the OG in the corner. So that's her. You'll also see some more graphics uh, coming up a little bit later on. And then we've got uh, one more. We have one more Sunday ticket to give away, right? A chance we, for the Jenga? We do. What do you think of this concept? Since it has to be random, what if we did the jersey number of the first person who scores tonight in game one, which corresponds with the spreadsheet that we have of the, the of the emails that were entered? What do you think of that? I like it. Okay. Yeah, we I had like Jennifer it. Simmons yesterday joining us. So we've got two contestants. We need one more. So let's go with the jersey number tonight. All right. We'll go with the uh, with the jersey number. How much would that whoever wins the Jenga and let's say we did a sports card for that Jenga, how much would that sports card go for? Would it go for a million dollars at Oak city, Joe? (laughs) It's in play. (laughs) If they could get Caitlin Clark and uh, Victor Wimbanyama to autograph it. But yes, that Bowman inception university set is coming out on Friday. And I am actually legitimately excited for this. It's their first chance to get a Victor Wimbanyama autograph. Caitlin Clark, the Iowa basketball star also in that set. OakCityCards.com. Weston's amazing. You could buy, sell, and even more importantly, get your cards graded. Take it from me as someone who just got fired and had to sell their Jordan rookie cards. You need to get them graded to get the top value for them, and Weston can help you do that. Go check them out at Oak City Sports Cards. They're in downtown Raleigh. Canes in action tonight. Eastern Conference Finals uh, kickoff, face-off, drop, you know, puck drop against the Florida Panthers, all the cliches that you want to use. Uh, you and I are actually going to be headed to breeze through earlier today or late, later on today, I, I should say, uh, to go check out the spot. But I've been to that breeze through. You've been to that breeze through right by PNC Arena. They got your tailgate needs. I'll be tailgating tonight. It's Jacob's 12th birthday. We're going to celebrate tonight in the parking lot. I'll pick up some uh, some crispy boys on my way to the PNC Arena parking lot. 
Yeah, Breeze Through Markets, locally owned neighborhood store. It's 1200 Edwards Mill Road, right there across from the arena. Make sure you don't make sure you have all of your hockey tailgate needs. That means drinks, ice. Yes, drinks, both the adult kind and the, the kind that'll keep you hydrated and ready for that eight o'clock start. Speaking of that eight o'clock start, you know, I'm excited to get some coffee tonight over at the Breeze. Yeah, you need it. You know, I do. You're going to be asleep by 10 o'clock. I got no you chance. Be, I might see I you no dozing chance. off up in the, up in the press box. Move on. All right. He's back from Amelia Island, Florida. He is Andrew Carter, news and observer. Are you, wait, you're still in Amelia Island, dude? Oh, look at that. Look at you in the Ritz-Carlton all fancy we, pants. We need like a raise from Anna. No, wow. I assure you, this is not the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, no? They didn't put you there? Because Wes was, at, Wes was I mean, at the Ritz-Carlton Ritz, yesterday, man. Ritz, Ritz-Carlton has nicer drapery than this. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Carter's joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Yes, they are back. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. All right, Andrew, I wanted to start with... Uh, what you wrote about in the News and Observer, and I completely agree with you. I feel like there are real issues that the ACC is facing, and that's what these meetings were supposed to address, revenue sharing, closing that gap with the SEC and the Big Ten. However, it's like irresponsible college football reporting ended up taking place. It was like, hey, real issue here, but no, let's talk about the doomsday. How was that playing? How was that playing at the bar, man? I should say, like, I didn't have a problem with the actual tweet, you know, that that Brett McMurphy put out. Like, I have a lot of respect for Brett. Like, obviously, he's very plugged in. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's sourced up. He, you know, people talk to him, tell him stuff. Um, the issue, I think, was, like, the reaction to it. Like, and, you know, I guess you all read what I wrote. And I felt like it was a really interesting um encapsulation of just kind of what sports media has become and and especially like there's been such a blurring of the lines of what the media is you know and you've talked about this joe and and joe you know it um you know and and it just becomes like you know a nugget gets put out there and then the story is just like the reaction of it and it kind of takes on a life of its own and yeah like (laughs) i mean I think McMurphy put out that tweet, if I remember correctly, um, first day of the meetings, it was Monday, kind of late afternoon. Yeah. And the ADs were meeting at the Ritz and they were doing their thing. And as I understand it, like, you know, obviously they're, you know, they're checking their phones and Twitter during it and they have access to the internet and all that stuff. And so this thing's going viral basically. And the ADs are talking about business stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, we got we got the uh, the so called magnificent seven uh, thing going on, which uh, you know, interesting phrasing, naming on that. And so I know there were some discussions in that meeting, you know, some really frank, honest, uh, as I understand it, kind of clearing of the air type stuff among mm-hmm. among the fourteen because Swarbrick wasn't here uh, from Notre Dame this week, but you know, among the fourteen eighties who were. You know, I think there was some venting. I think there were some honest conversations. Um, but again, like the story took on a life of its own that did not reflect reality, <laughs> uh, as you guys know. And I feel like that's just going to be the ACC's reality until, you know, something happens, What whatever that might be. I think the speculation 
uh, is going to be looming over the conference until somebody figures out a way out of the grant of rights, you know, and you guys have both put this out there and said it. And I agree with y'all, you know, if the grant of rights was uh, something that could be gotten around, it would have already happened, you know, like Florida state and Clemson would be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the fact that that has not happened, that the league has remained together, like that's proof that like, you know, it's real. You can't just get out of this thing. Um, but nonetheless, like, you know, there's this perception that we're days away from the ACC just falling apart. And like, it's not, that's not real life folks. Like, you know, the, the league is going to be together um, for the foreseeable future. I tend to agree with you, Joe. I think you've said like 2030 is a window. 2030. Yeah. 2030 is when I have this thing marked because that's when the grant of rights might be, you could, you could, it could go any number of ways, right? It could go any number of ways, but if by 2030, it might be financially not as painful for Correct. you to go ahead and make that move. And it might be easier to litigate your way out of it the same way that Texas and Oklahoma found some sort of common ground to get to the SEC sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, but I was curious. And the reason why I reached out to you to come on today was because, right, all this stuff is playing out on social media and you're there. And, <laughs> you know, the, I'm guessing the ADs and I'm, at some point. Like usually you've been to these things before, Joe, you've, Julio, you've been to Amelia Island, Florida for these meetings before, right? Have you never no, been? I haven't. Okay. My understanding is, is that it's a good way to network. It's a good way to talk. It's a lot of off the record conversations, but I'm pretty sure that after that tweet had gone out and everybody was freaking out about the doomsday scenario, Andrew, the usually chatty ADs and athletic department uh, personnel were told, yeah, no, you can't talk. How that, did that, is that how it yeah. played out? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's basically how what we understand it. And somebody, I can't remember who it was, which athletic director it was, but somebody walked past us. I mean, they all came out of the room at once. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. And there was a gaggle of reporters, you know, maybe about a dozen of us, uh, you know, a little less. David Teal uh, was down there and and uh, the ESPN crew, David Hale and, and Andrea Adelson and some other folks. And we're hoping to get some clarity um, and, you know, people who have covered the league for a long time, you know, as Jim Phillips said yesterday when he met with us, like, you know, the, the, the tweet the other day was not news no. to anybody, really, no. because obviously schools are going to be looking at the grain of rights, you know, like if you're a Clemson or Florida State uh, or, you know, North Carolina or, or one of these schools that, you know, think maybe you have greener pastures out there waiting for you, you're going to be looking at it to you know, see if there's a way out. If you want the ACC to stick together, you're going to be examining it to, you know, make sure how secure it is. So we knew it wasn't really, you know, this big of a revelation or whatever, but it would have, you know, it would have been nice to have some clarity from the ADs, but yeah, they walked past us heads down, uh, muttering about needing to go to dinner. Uh, You know, John Curry did come out and was like, Hey, anyone want to talk about Wake Forest baseball? Hey, but, Look, you know, no, historic no, season for Wake Forest baseball, man. Yeah, no takers. But yeah, they basically were told. Um, and Phillips went in there into that meeting, um, you know, after a length of time and met with the ADs. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it was like, guys, like, you know, we need to put on a positive face here. Uh, this is not good for the conference to be, you know, talking smack, so to speak. Like another interesting aspect this week I thought was you know Michael Alford from Florida State not going to say he backtracked but 
I'll his, say it. He backtracked, Andrew. I'll say it. I'll, I'll say it for you. He, he was Mr. Chesty Correct. Uh, the last three yeah. months. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, no, no, we're going to coalesce around things. And yeah, his he tone went from, we got to close this gap to, eh, we might not be able to close this gap. His tone was much different. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm sure some of that uh, is attributable to Phillips uh, going in there and being like, you know, this is not good for the conference. Um, you know, we need to be unified. I understand people are frustrated but let's just kind of take a moment and breathe. Uh, and so they didn't talk that first day. Yeah. Um, but most of them talked yesterday uh, at, you know, at the end of it, spent some time with Boo and Bubba uh, and Nina, you know, obviously our three ADs locally and, and they were great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, it, it's a weird kind of unreality um, out there on social media and then there's like the reality of what's actually happening with the conference. And they're just kind of different worlds. Andrew Carter joining us on the Heaster automotive group hotline. Get off your keister, head down to Heaster. All right, skinny. I'm, I'm, where do you want to go here? Because I'm fascinated first off by conference dynamics, right? It used to be all for one, one for all the, the eight musketeers, if you will, everything was equal share, and now you look at it and Clemson rightfully is going, um, hey, we'd like to have some more of that money that we're earning all of y'all. How about that? Uh, I don't know where Florida State falls on that timeline. They're a little bit delusional on that one. But I also think uh, Dan Radakovich down at Miami is a little bit of a probably somebody who's more of a power player than we all realize, given that he's worked now at three ACC schools, if we're still counting Georgia Tech. As one, I know they're not one of the <laughs> magnificent seven, um, but there was no doubt that that Carolina and Duke ran this league. There was no, there was zero doubt yeah. when this thing started. And I think now we're really seeing a power struggle. And it, you mentioned David Till being down there. I do think Whit Babcock is one of the thinkers in this league. Yeah, I do yeah. think Dan Radakovich is one of the the movers and shakers in this league. I wonder how welcoming they are going to be of Alford and maybe some of his ideas, because I do feel like their needs. And also, you know, quite frankly, I wonder with they're not being on the same page while we're slandering John Swafford for the length of the grant of rights, right? There's yeah. no doubt what John Swafford's strength was. And that was, he was a consensus builder and he was someone behind the scenes who knew how to handle people and handle the conference and in really kind of in a stealth way, but also in a way that was of strength. And I'm not impugning um, Jim Phillips here, but I'm looking at this going, I wonder if there isn't just this big power struggle right now behind the scenes. Skinny, what do you think? I think there definitely is without question. And I think some of that was going on at the end of Swafford's tenure. You know, people behind the scenes were frustrated with, um, you know, how some of the Big East additions were behaving behind closed doors, particularly Syracuse. And that's why the ACC... And their ESPN ties, yeah. That's why the ACC took its basketball tournament up to New York. And, yep. you know, really, obviously, they wanted to be in the Garden. Mm -hmm. So they tried Brooklyn. I mean, that was a, you know, a direct attempt to uh, appease Syracuse, especially in some of those other uh, Northeast additions. But, yeah, I totally agree. I think there is a power struggle um, behind the scenes. And what... I think people have to remember is, you know, when Florida state joined the ACC in the early nineties, 1991, you know, they came on board 
because of how lucrative the ACC's basketball deal was. You know, at the time, that was the uh, richest, wealthiest television property among college athletics in the country was ACC basketball. And the ACC, up until about 2003 or so, was the richest conference Mm -hmm. in the country. Like, they out-earned the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, And obviously, we know what's happened in the past 20 years, like the value of college basketball television rights uh, has gone way down. It's about 80-20 now uh, in favor of football. That's only growing more on the football side. And so, yeah, these schools that bring value on that side of the ledger, and, you know, we all know it's all about TV ratings, and Florida State, you know, and to credit David Teal with this stat, he looked it up this week and shared it with the group, 32 and 32 in the ACC since Jameis Winston left. Hmm. Um, you know, so I guess that's what, the past seven, eight years, yeah. has not, have not played for an ACC title. Not great. They have, yeah, they haven't won an Atlantic, Atlantic Division since 2014. Yeah, and yet people watch. You know, FSU is yeah. still – They're know, a brand. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a brand. brand. People watch Clemson, uh, Miami, okay. And so, yeah, these schools <laughs> like are like, hey, like, you know, we, we are responsible for bringing in a larger share of the revenue. And I get the argument, um, but still, like, the ACC would be in a much better position right now if Miami had not gone into the tank for the past 20 years. Yeah. If, if Florida State was the Florida State of the 90s, uh, if Virginia Tech had not fallen off, you know, and people rip on Swafford in hindsight, you know, but I'll say a couple things. Like, you know, at the time that he did uh, the deal with ESPN and the grant of rights, you know, the deal with ESPN obviously coming first, that length of time, like, that was praised at the time. Yeah, it was. We celebrated it. You know, Maryland had just left. The ACC needed uh, some stability, and that provided it. And so did the grant of rights. And none of these schools entered into that agreement uh, being held at gunpoint. You know, they all voluntarily agreed to the grant of rights. And, yeah, like, okay, SEC and Big Ten are making way more money. I mean, them's the breaks. Like yeah. you look at the makeup of those leagues and a lot of it has nothing to do with how good you are. You're in states that are college football mad, uh, especially the SEC. The Big Ten has enormous state schools throughout the Midwest that have huge alumni bases um, that you know drive television ratings, et cetera, et cetera. And the demographics are simply different in the ACC. And it's like, to a degree it doesn't matter how good you are. <laughs> I love that mug. I got, you got, something te- you. You got tech. What do you got there before we say goodbye? What are you rocking? You guys need some, because of the new partnership here. <laughs> oh yeah. Hoodies. Let's go. You all need, I need a hoodie. Swag. I'm ready. And, for it. and welcome to the family. And well, Joe, welcome back. Yeah, I was going to say, Joe, welcome back. Um, I've always been by proxy. Have either one of you ever worked for a newspaper? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not radio. And I still don't. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. All right, Andrew, uh, bring me back a hoodie and bring me back some Himalayan sea salt. All right. I'm going there actually right after this to pick perfect bar of that stuff. For Excellent, man. Excellent. Andrew Carter, News and Observer. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. Thanks. (laughs) Skinny, man. Skinny is a piece of work for sure. Um, We always appreciate his time.
Um, would you say that some schools would be on the chopping block, Joe? In the Very ACC? Good. Would you Very say that good. they're on the chopping block? I, I would. Perhaps I would a, a nice butcher block. Nice yes, wood the, butcher block. If I'm Boston College, I'm I'm not worried about my Boston butt. I'm worried about still <laughs> just being in the family. But if you need any meats off of the chopping block, go over to the butcher's market. They got six locations, Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs. I was in Holly Springs yesterday in Wilmington. If you're heading out to Kane's game, game one tonight, get your grilling needs, tailgate needs. Also, Joe, I had my first sandwich I, I, admission, full admission here. I go to when I go to the butcher's market, I usually just get meat. I bring it home, I grill it. Sure. They make they make sandwiches they in do. their shops now. Yeah, man. And I had a steak and cheese yesterday to absolutely die for. <laughs> go check them out. Uh, they got boar's head meats, hot and cold sandwiches, thebutchersmarket.com. Now we've been talking about the granite rights and lawyers can't get around to it. Have we talked to our friends at Whitaker and Hamer about that? Could they find a way out of the granite rights? Maybe not. Maybe not. I but think- they can get they can help you out with some other stuff though. Yeah, I think if anybody could, it would be Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer over at Whitaker and Hamer. If you're starting a business or if you're selling a business, they're also in family law, so custody, divorce cases. They do real estate closings. If you're buying a house, uh, check them out. They got 20 years uh, together. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Fuquay, and then the G's, Gastonia, Goldsboro, and Moorhead City. 919-772-7000, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer. Their website is wh.lawyer. Easy enough to find. Next topic, please. So joining us now on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline is Bomani Jones. Right Time is the podcast, HBO Game Theory. Bo, what up, man? How are you doing? Man, all good. What's going on with you, fellas? Uh, Hustling. Hustling. The hustle never stops. You've been been there. there. (laughs) (laughs) This is new for me, Bo. I'm 44 years old. Just been working for place for all this time. Now I'm like, oh, geez. Jillio's got that sales pit. He's got that dog in him. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I'm accustomed to getting let go from stuff uh, (laughs) every year or two. You know, like like my most recent endeavors have been the longest running that I have had. Like, I've been there. But, hey, look, you didn't get what I got, which was the day that I read that they was giving my show away. And I called to ask if it was true. It was told they can neither confirm nor deny and then had to go to work for two more months. (laughs) But hey, at least you got a final show. I did get a final show, which in retrospect, they must have just been really too busy. Mm-hmm. to stop and do the math like it worked out okay <laughs> like did. i, I like did. i look at that time and i'm like did they just think i was a punk or something <laughs> like like on one level they could have looked at it as as wow bomani really knows how to behave and we can trust him to do everything right here or they could have been like he ain't about to do nothing <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just want i just want you to know bo you're the only phone call I took that day. I was like, oh, I, can, I know, I can talk to Mo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I wasn't about to come in here and make this make make this into something that it wasn't. I was coming to you with the welcome to radio, Joe. Yep. <laughs> You're the only phone call I took, so I was like, okay, I can talk. I appreciate that. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you. Last time we talked to you, I joked. We went and the Canes have won two entire series since the last time we talked to you. Yes. you didn't. You didn't go to the island. Because that would take you forever. Here's my, ne- here's my next question. What would it have taken you to go to Newark to see the Devils and the Canes? Honestly, Newark would have been a bit easier. 
like from where I live, because I live on the west side. Yeah. So it would have been a bit easier to go to Newark. There is nothing more ironic, by the way, than the idea of going to Newark to watch hockey. That is something that I don't think gets discussed nearly enough. It's like the only place out there since they don't do it at the Meadowlands anymore. It's like yeah. the only place in Jersey that's big enough to sustain such a thing. Okay. But it's also the least hockey place in Durham. I mean, the mayor's name is Ross Baraka, dog. Like, this is not, this is not, I would love to know how many actual Newarkites are showing you. up to that arena. It's you. a whole lot of people that are. So, Brick, so Brick City Brick City's not down for hockey? Is that what you're telling me? Look, you know, it's interesting because they're looking at trying to bring a hockey team back to Atlanta, but they're trying to put it out there where the white folks are, right? Like they did right. something very similar to baseball stadium because white people in Atlanta don't like to come to Atlanta. I understand that sounds ironic, but that's what it is. But Jersey, they just had to make peace. I made well, the same point. I just didn't make it as well as you just did. So I just, I just want to go on the record with that. It's, it's par for the course when we talk to Bamani. He's always making the points much, much better than we can. Although it is. So, for instance, we, we talk about these various hockey markets and we go a little bit of a tangent here. We put your economics hat on here. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, has done a pretty good job of identifying this growth. I mean, we got an all Sunbelt final four in hockey, right, with the Canes and the Panthers, got the Golden Knights and the uh, the Dallas Stars. But it didn't work in Phoenix. and Phoenix is like straight, like they're just no. And they keep voting it out no matter how many times Batman wants to try to make it happen there. It's simply not going to happen. But there are other areas that are interested in. You brought up Atlanta. Uh, there's Portland that's come up as well. And it's just, it's interesting where not all, it's okay to admit that maybe expansion for a particular team might not work there. Right. And sometimes you just have to cut your losses. Yeah, like it's not going to work in Portland, I don't think, because I just don't think Portland is big enough for two winter sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like there, I don't think it goes. Atlanta, where you've got kind of this bifurcated metropolitan area, you can make it work. We saw it happen in Miami, where they had to figure out, they had to get out of Miami. And I understand yeah. that for people who don't know that area, Sunrise in Miami are literally two different worlds for a number of reasons. The biggest one being language, right? Like hockey wasn't going to work in Dade. You had a chance in Broward and they seem to be doing okay in Broward, right? Phoenix seemed to make so much sense because the market is so big. It's a spread out kind of big, but I didn't know this. And I'm asking, when I say I don't know this, I'm asking, was their problem hockey or was their problem the ownership groups? Because them jokers went bankrupt, right? It was both. It was both because I, as you're as you're kind of seeing there that area, and I guess we saw this with the A's too. We saw it with San Diego. There are some municipalities that just are not going to play ball. They they seem to have gotten that religion of you can give me every economic impact you you want to throw at us, and we're dealing with that here locally with PNC Arena and what Tom Dunn and the owner wants to do around that area. Because right now it's just the arena, it's just the football stadium. And there's really nothing around it. Shout out to Breeze Through. So that to me, you know, they're going to keep trying to like, well, this is good for the city. That's what uh, that's what the the David Tepper's doing with the Carolina Panthers right now. And the city ke- seems to be acquiescing to what he wants to do. And maybe they're scared about what happened in Rock Hill, where he just said, "Forget it, I'm out." If I'm not going to get what I want, because the last thing you want to do is lose an NFL team. So sometimes you're going to play ball, but those cities that I just mentioned. Seem perfectly okay with just saying, yeah, we ain't going to miss you. San Diego's moved on with its life. Oakland will move on with its life without the A's. Yeah, now, and that's particularly with California, right? They're yeah. just like, yo, we ain't got the money. We're not here for it. What I wonder 
about um, Phoenix. Because, look, I'm from Houston. Houston had a WHA team that Gordy Howe played for. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, they brought back the Houston Arrows to try to bring it back. Near my house, they built the Aerodrome, a ice skating place that you could go to and all of that. You ain't going to be able to make a hockey team work in Houston, I don't think. Which is and, funny because that's where when people talk about relocation rumor for the Canes and Tom Dunn's from Texas, they mm-hmm. always bring up they always bring up Houston. Yeah, and I mean it, like, it make it makes sense because Houston is so big, but again, Houston is not split up like Miami is where you could just go find, I think, the other part of town. Mm-hmm. The other question that I have there, and I don't have the answer for this, and I know this may be a little bit of a hot take, but I think it's worth mentioning. How much do our Latino brothers and sisters, specifically in the case of Phoenix and Houston, Mexicans, enjoy hockey? I don't have the answer for that. I'm, I would not assume in either direction because, quite yeah. honestly, the idea of people fighting and bleeding on the ice, if you watch Mexican boxers, it's a thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the bag. I took a fascinating trip. to. I went to uh, – Playa del Carmen a few months ago and I actually yeah. got some insight as to how this thing works or why you might go that way but if you have a population in a place like Houston or a place like Phoenix that's heavily Latino mm-hmm. and Latinos are not into whatever game you're playing then it does it's not as good an idea as it sounds like to go there just because they got a bunch of people Bomani Jones I actually, yeah I, I actually think hockey's play is to put a second team in Toronto I, I think that's the play could you, that you have work to, I do. It's like a Mets situation, right? Yeah. Because you have such a, there's such a season ticket demand, the whole thing with the Maple Leafs. They're not frustrated with them in terms of how they're run. They have such talent, but they could absolutely support a second NH. The, the way that they support the Marlies is mm-hmm. pr- their minor league team is pretty much the same as an, as another NHL team. And, and for all the reasons you're mentioning, Bo, you know, there's so many questions in other places in this country. I, honestly, I would even put a second team in Toronto over Quebec City. Well, my well, yeah, my question about putting the second team in Toronto is the Mets came in 1962, which I want to say is three or four years after the Giants and the Dodgers left, which is to say that there was a city that had fans who were looking for a team. Yeah. Toronto, they love the hockey Knicks. Right. Yes. Like, I don't I don't yes. know how you get people to bail on the well, hockey Knicks. Would it be Lakers Clippers? I mean, is that what you're kind of dealing with if you yeah. put a second team there? Yeah, except Los Angeles is way bigger. Right. So what sure. you have in L.A. is you go to see go to, to the Lakers game to watch the Lakers. You go to the Clippers to watch whoever the other team is. <laughs> and maybe that happens because they do have that thing in Toronto where everybody complains about how high the ticket prices are. Yes, and that's that's yeah. why you. Ha- yeah, that's why you end up having another team, because the ticket prices would absolutely not be the same. So that, that I could see where that would play out. But Monty Jones, Right Time is a podcast, HBO Game Theory. Uh, he's on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of Miami, let's transition over to the NBA, where I, I feel like this is a conversation that keeps happening, so I'm wondering when people will just admit it. It's it's like this weird, it's finally time to give respect to Jimmy Butler and playoff <laughs> Jimmy. It's finally time to recognize that Eric Spolstra is a really good coach. We understood Eric Spolster was a good coach when he managed LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and, and uh, why, why is Chris Bosch? Chris Bosch, thank you. I'm having a brain fart there. And that I thought that happened in the bubble too. But Joe and I have talked about this. It's almost like people want to dismiss what happened in the bubble when I think it was actually more impressive than anything else. And maybe now people are giving 
the Heat the credit that they deserve for what Jimmy Butler is doing on a consistent basis in the playoffs and what Spolster is doing to adjust. But here's the thing. I think that people want to ignore the bubble in large part because they didn't watch it because it was very difficult television. Like sure. it, it was like, like doing Gang Theory, we did the first episode with no laugh track. And everybody always says, I don't need nobody to tell me when to laugh. Yes, you do. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. I mean, we did the second episode with it. It changed everything. Like our first episode goes over a lot different. If people just have that in the background, that's part of it. Watching basketball with no crowd was like watching basketball on a sound stage. Like mm-hmm. people just didn't watch it. But to me, what's so odd about that is, they went to the conference finals last year, and if Jimmy walks into that three at the end of the game and makes it, the Celtics suffer one of the great collapses of all time. And everything that we're saying about Jimmy Butler now, we would have said last year. What I need people to get is regular season Jimmy Butler is really damn good too. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think that people have missed over the last four years with him in Miami. It's an absolute perfect fit. He is that guy, and he's that guy in a way that we kind of miss, which is we grinding this out, dog. Like, no matter what anybody says about all these three-pointers, and that's what every no, 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 no. The math has moved us in that direction. But we love dudes that decide, I am going to go do this. That's why people are really enjoying watching this Jokic thing now. It's like, yo, you want to watch a guy go to side? Jump on my back, boys. We about to make this happen. <laughs> What's your take, Bo, on NBA coaches and what they do or don't do? Uh, I look at Monty Williams and how his tremendous success in the regular season. Doc Rivers can't argue with his ability during the regular season. But getting to this Boston-Miami series, you know, we're starting to see Joe Mazzulla a little bit uh, in over his skis against Spolstra here, in my opinion. Because yeah. in my opinion, the Celtics are the most talented team in the NBA and should win this damn thing. But I'm watching that game last night going, they are on the fool around find out chart right now. And Butler and Spolster are more than happy to show them what happens. Well, I think there's two levels, right? One of them is that rookie coach, right? Like, let's just be fair to him. He ain't never done this before. He wasn't walking in the year expecting that he was going to do this. But I think like what happened with Monty and I think doc to a lesser degree, it's a people business, man. And it matters a lot less in football in particular. Baseball is a little different. But whether or not these dudes like you. And what seems very clear to me is those dudes got tired of Monty Williams and his get down. He can be a bit of an overbearing personality with a heavy hint of Jesus. And not everybody was going for that. So you can win all those games. But you get smoked the last game of the series in the way they did two years in a row at the house. (laughs) you're going to get fired. Like, that's, you know, that's the name of the game there. That's what's going to happen to you. With Doc, where I think Doc got treated unfairly is this. The Sixers, for all these years, have had a second-round roster. And they brought Doc Rivers in and said, get us out of the second round. And three years later, they still have a second-round roster. So what they did was they hired a second-round coach to get a second-round roster (laughs) to the conference finals, and not one person is looking at that general manager, who, by the way, has typically been really good at building second-round teams. Mm. Is there something, is there anything more satisfying than watching uh, 10 years' worth of people trying to go galaxy brain on a franchise and then having it never be successful? Like, all these people, like, you just don't get it, man. You just, you just don't get the brilliance of what's going on here, the true believer stuff. And it's like, no, it, it's kind of like how you were Bitcoin, right? You kept saying, this is funny money. This is funny money. This is like, stop it. It's not actual money. And then when it all employs, you're like, I tried to tell you. And I think I feel like the same thing's happening with the whole process and how everything played out over the last 10 years. It's hilarious to watch. All right, I want to go to the wiki for you 
about the process because okay. I looked up Sam Hinkie in here because the, as you guys know, I did a television show with Pablo for many years and he's a process devotee and yes. it made me hate everything around the process so bad. <laughs> I disliked it at first, but mm. the process itself was honestly so representative of everything I hate in life. Like it's such mm. a Bane capital, such a soulless you know, just now oh, we're just going to tear this thing all the way down to the studs. And then we figured out a juke, right? Like we figured out some quirk in the rules that'll mm-hmm. allow us to get all these players. Great job. You tanked out to get Jaleel Loco for, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that's, that's what they did. They were, that's so what they dedicated. did. That's what they, they were did. so oh. dedicated to being losers. It's one thing to tank it out to get big Vic from France. It's another right. thing to tank it out. Knowing there's nobody in the draft worth tanking for. Like if they tanked it out to get Carl Towns that year, it would have been no better. But I just want you to hear the first major move that Hinky made was to trade Drew Holiday to get Nerlens Noel. Right? I mean, all right, and, and let's remember this. Part of why I think they got Nerlens Noel was because Nerlens Noel was not going to be able to play that year because he had mm-hmm. the ACL tear on the way out, and he turned out to be Nerlens Noel. Then the next year, they made the move. And by the way, as much credit as Hinky gets for trading Michael Carter-Williams, he drafted Michael Carter-Williams when they could have taken Giannis a couple picks later. Like, if this dude was really the genius like people say that oh, he I for, is... I for, they could have had Giannis? I totally they forgot. They could have had Giannis. So that's what I'm saying. I'm still fixated on... I, I'm still fixated on... I kind of ties it back to the beginning of this conversation on the NBA. They told Jimmy Butler to go kick rocks. That's the part they that told I Jimmy. Now, to be fair, that wasn't Hinky, right? But the whole yeah, thing okay, with, pro- with the process truthers is that, well, if only Sam had had his chance. Go look at what he actually did when he had his chance, and the only thing he did was have the number three pick and a three-player draft, and he took the one that was left, and it was Embiid, and it worked. They got the pick to take Ben Simmons, and Hinky would have taken Ben Simmons because all of us would have taken Ben Simmons, and it didn't work out. But the whole idea of the process was get us two superstars. You got them. You got the guys that you thought would have been the dudes. And it still didn't work, but people still try to hold on and act like, oh, if only, if only. But for all this time, it's just been a second-round roster, and they had the Jimmy Butler chance, and they blew it. One of my favorite moments, Bo, was seeing Ben Simmons at LSU. They actually played up at uh, Barclays against State. And the Martin Twins, now we know the Martin Twins are in the NBA now, but at the time, they weren't very well highly thought of other than by me and Bobby Lutz. The Martin twins outplayed Ben Simmons. And I think he took six shots in the game. And I left that game going, I I don't know what this guy is supposed to be, but I want no part of him. I want, (laughs) they lost to a state team that won like 14 games that year. And I'm like, I want no part of this guy. So anyway, I had to defend my honor there. Yo, he's like a different version of Michael Beasley in the sense that the talent was so readily apparent, but people were telling us guys, yeah. Don't know about this dude. They were like, oh, what do you mean? You go take the talent. And then Michael Beasley got there and immediately it was like, ooh, I don't know about this dude. And with Ben Simmons, they warned us about all of it. And we tried to write off yeah. the fact that they didn't win anything at LSU and he didn't seem like he wanted to be there and everything else. And we were all wrong. But to Joe's question, I love watching this happen with the Sixers. I love it so much. And now it's even better because they got Maury there. And I love nothing more than watching Maury mess it up. Houston, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, trading trading the pick, to trading what they should have been Tatum, they they take Markel Fultz, another one, I think it's in the, the year after uh, yeah. Simmons, 
taking Markel Fultz, who didn't do anything at Washington, and ends up having the yips when you could have had Jason Tatum all along. That mm-hmm. was that was Danny Ainge playing a little bit of chess while uh, Maury was playing oh, checkers. Giddy. And, and, and the thing, no, because Colangelo did that one, to be fair. Colangelo, right? okay. Because that's the thing about the Sixers people. They blame yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, everything is Colangelo's fault, right? Oh, I'm because... almost inclined to cut them slack on Fultz because what ultimately turned out to be the problem, nobody could have. Like, nobody really sure. saw that. But, but you could see Tatum. You could see Tatum. Well, Come you on. could you could see Tatum in large part, but let us not forget that a certain legendary coach definitely did a masterful underachieving job. Struggled a bit when he came. That year, in fairness, yeah. But they closed out really, really strong. We were actually talking about this the other day uh, when Tatum went off in that series clinching win, and I said it back then. I mean, Goldeneye. Uh, had these debates back then. It's like in that draft, I'm like, I'm sorry, Tatum's the most NBA ready player that I saw all season long. Maybe I'm biased because I was watching Duke most of the year, but that seems to have panned out. I mean, we can't sit and go, oh man, who could have imagined? No, we kind of understood that he was, and it's been it's been fun to watch him absolutely blow up. All right, we'll close on this, Bo. Um, we'll close on a serious matter. Uh oh, do we have to? <sighs> well, maybe not. Maybe we can shift out of it. But I am. The John ja, the ja Morant discourse, not, not what John ja Morant did per se or some other. It's just I, I'm really fascinated by how this is all kind of played out. And I was waiting for somebody to finally snap. And that was J.J. Redick uh, the other day on First Take, where it's like, why are we doing this? Like, just why? Are we, there's a serious conversation to be had, but I don't think people want to have a serious conversation. They want to take this thing up. This is not something you can take up. Yeah, but I don't think that J.J. was ready for the serious conversation either. Okay. To be fair, like, I, and he threw out that question, like, we have a big gun culture situation. Yes, we have all of these things. Why do we care that it's John Morant that has this gun out and we don't care about these Congress people or whatever it is? Right. I mean, okay, right? There's a, there is a question to be had there, though I think that we could even all acknowledge that while those Congress people look as stupid as John ja Morant looked, what John ja Morant did was even more stupid because mm-hmm. there are positive reinforcing incentives for those Congress people and all them folks who take those pictures in the name of votes, right? There yes, was a yeah. negative reinforcement for John ja Morant in the name of you work for the league. Like where the serious mm-hmm. conversation comes up and where Reddick's thing could have been answered so easily, and I did this on CNN the other day, We got to be real about this. And this is something that I realized through the whole Trump era and other places. Things that can get you elected are also things that can get you fired. The truth is Mm -hmm. the general public generally has different standards of their elected officials than a corporation has of their employees. So with Ja, the NBA knows this is bad for our business and we don't get to change how everybody else responds to this. I don't even think that the general public upon seeing this with job was nearly as terribly offended as much as fool. What in the world are you out here doing right now? So yeah, we Mm -hmm. have a bigger gun culture and I have largely raised the question many times. So once people have these guns and it's okay to have these guns, you can't bug out every time somebody's got one, like in these States where you can just carry your gun all willy nilly. And then a college student has a gun. And then you're like, Oh my God, he has a gun. Is the gun a problem or not? That's a fair thing to ask, and I think a fair thing to bring up. But we have to realize that these elected officials who do this are playing to a much different and much more narrow audience because they draw the districts in such a way that they're all pleasing people who think that kind of stuff is cool, who are defending their rights 
to have their guns. Morant, on the other hand, even if we admit to the double standard, it doesn't make him any less of a moron for what it is that yeah. he's out here doing. And I just want him to not get shot. Because one thing I don't worry about with these silly people with their AR-15s in their family pictures for Christmas is I don't worry that somebody's going to come in there and shoot them. That's why I think their pictures of their guns are so stupid, because nobody's going to shoot you. Okay? Yeah. You riding around in Memphis, and you got your gun out, and you at a stoplight, somebody just might shoot you. And that's what worries me about him, and that's why I look at J.J. and others, and I don't want to be so specific about him. Making this about a larger issue misses the point that there is clearly a young man with a whole lot of problems who seems to be crumbling under the weight of the pressure of carrying his family, his hood, his team, his city, his shoe company, his league. The weight of all of that seems to absolutely be crushing him. Bomani Jones, Right Time is a podcast. All right, we'll close on a on a lighter note. Mm-hmm. Mets well spent said. all that money. Well said. Mets spent all that money, and they've got this below 500 record, and I'm sure New York is handling this really, really well. What oh. could ever happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets <laughs> if the record doesn't play? I mean, New York's different, man. New York's and I just, man, I just think it's funny what's about to happen. Something. They put that Monday night game on Aaron Rodgers, and baby, they better win. Because let me Woo! tell you, it ain't going to fly here. You ain't about to tell these people to relax. <laughs> no. Oh, you know, God. that ain't God. that right there ain't going down. You're not about to be like R-E-L-A. No, 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 no. That ain't going to work in this room. No, sir. Bo, appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate the support as always. And uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not going to talk like we, we did, but obviously we will be chatting in the future. And who knows? We'll have new graphics. Maybe uh, we'll have we're actually going to have a studio here relatively soon. Bro, so, I see sponsors. Who does that? We got sponsors. We got, eight of them. Gilio does. Gilio. Yeah, we got eight. Gilio does that because he's got that dog in him. He's got that dog in him. Salute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bomani Jones here on Obvious and Gilio. All right, Joe. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. So, uh, as Bomani mentioned, we have the sponsors and everything else. People have asked us the question, well, uh, other than subscribing and listening and rating XYZ, well, what can we do to help out in that regard? We mentioned it yesterday. We'll mention it again today. Uh, of this, of the people who are sponsoring this podcast now, go support them. Uh, go check them out. Tell them. Say, hey, love what you guys are doing with Ovi's and Gilio. What can we do next? Right? Uh, or maybe you're listening to this podcast right now. And you're driving out to Wilmington and you've got some like entrepreneurial desires or whatever. No problem. Hit up Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington, Joe. I did not know this until we talked to Jim Roberts earlier in the week that Wilmington is one of the hottest markets when it comes to startups. And they've got a lot of success stories coming out of Wilmington. Yeah, it's Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. So the, the website is new and then their airport code. So it's newilm.com. You can find Jim Roberts on LinkedIn or Facebook. It's a it's a support organization for entrepreneurs. Helps them create better startups, and which in turn creates better jobs and a better economy. In Wilmington, they're an independent nonprofit. They help entrepreneurs with sales marketing, mentor options, and then investor pitch training. Uh, network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington, where the river of innovation meets an ocean of possibilities. 
Again, that website is newilm.com for more information. Uh, for more information on how you can enjoy your backyard this summer, you like that transition? Very radio-esque of me. Hit up Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. I use Mosquito Authority. Joe, I know you've used Pest, Pest Authority in the past. I got Mosquito Authority coming out. I think it's about once every month. Again, it's super simple. There's no contracts. If I want to you know, stop the, stop the mosquito stuff, that's cool. But I don't want to because the stuff works. And uh, hanging out in the backyard in the summertime, I'm grilling, things like that. Last thing you want is to you know, spray yourself all over the place and you're constantly fighting off mosquitoes. Mosquito Authority gets the job done. Yeah, go check them out at bugsbite.com. Enter in your area uh, zip code and they'll find the best business for you. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Uh, find them on Twitter, no mosquito NC. Also, their number is 919-807-1951. You mentioned no contracts. Uh, I, I do a quarterly deal with them where they come out four times a year. Yeah. And then if you have the ants, if you have a termite issue, which you know you cannot have uh, <laughs> in this day and age, you cannot deal with that. Uh, they'll come out. It's a much better deal for you. So go, again, go check them out at bugsbite.com. I'm proud of you, Joe. Actually, I don't know if I should be proud of you or not, because the golfers Why? are golfing. The golfers are golfing. Uh, no, if, there was a frost delay. Oh, is there, wait, where where are they playing? That yeah. there's a frost delay in May, New York. Oh, jeez, yeah, upstate New York. Uh, screw that, jeez. I don't. I don't want any of that stuff. Um, no, the reason why I said I'm proud of you is because if we were doing this in the afternoon, you would be completely distracted oh, be by the in. golfers golfing. Yeah, I would be locked in. You'd be so locked in. Anyway, who, yes. who, do you, who do you have? Who do you have? Like, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't like doing this, but I need to, I need to get over this because it's going to be part of my world now. Uh, I, I like Xander Shoffley, the X Man, okay. and I like. Uh, it's boring, but I like Scotty Scheffler this week as well. It's a ball strikers course. It's a Donald Ross course, uh, which kind of gets me to my heart. My Harold Varner long shot as well, oh, much geez. to the uh, okay. delight of Bennett Johnson, our friend over at the Water Group. All right, so you mentioned Harold Varner, and I, and I guess after you know what I haven't really heard a lot of uh, since the Masters, I haven't really heard a lot about Live Golf, right? You know, I, I think after Brooks Kepka had that collapse uh, and the the celebration of the what is it, eighteen different golfers or whatever it was that were participating in the Masters oh. that were part of Live Golf. Remember, Greg Norman said if one of our guys wins, we're all going to celebrate on the eighteenth green. Yeah. It's going to be what it's a, it's a, it's like. It was almost like a like a wrestling reference. It was the NWO takeover. Here comes Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Greg Norman with a fake black beard on, that sort of thing. But I feel like, I don't know if this is by design that the PGA is just moving on with their lives and they're just trying to not talk about Liv as much. And also, Liv is happening right now and there's nobody going to these events. There's I don't even know. If, I know they have a TV deal, but I don't even know if anybody's watching these. Yeah, things. they were in Australia. That event was wild, actually, which is kind of shows what they could be. Uh, but obviously, mm -hmm. Cameron Smith is their top golfer uh, in in his prime. So that makes a lot of sense. He's Australian, in case you don't know, Joe. Um, I didn't so know. The, the thing with Liv, the only thing that has happened between – well, two things happened with Liv. I think at the Masters, it showed there's no real animosity between live golfers and PGA golfers. Yes, no okay. one likes Patrick Reed. That's fine. <laughs> Everyone understands that. Okay. But ultimately, DJ, Brooks Kepka, even Lefty, these are guys that are – that's their friends. They play with these guys. They, they Were they probably like a little bit rankled that Lefty played as well as he did? 
probably, but I, mm. I don't think anyone, you know, had any has any real animosity towards anyone other than Patrick Reed. And that's not because of Liv, but because he's a jerk. Um, what the only thing that has happened since then was Taylor Gooch, my favorite, as I've been saying all along. It's it's this is about the Taylor Gooches of the world. Um, uh-huh. they kind of they kind of screwed with his qualification uh for this event, but ultimately he's in the event. So it, it'll all it'll all go well. We'll see. It's gonna be a tough track, it's gonna be low scoring. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I like those types of majors. I don't like the the birdie fests and 25 under. I don't like all of that. I like, you know, five, six, seven, eight under because, you know, I, when I play golf, I struggle and I want to see these guys struggle too. Yeah, the, the relatable aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What's up next? What's up next? Let's get to some Hey Joe questions to close out the show. Shout out to Anthony over at Oakwood Pizza Box. Uh, you can check them out online. You can also call them directly now at 9594-1605. I highly recommend the Square Pizza. Uh, but before we get to the Hey Joe questions, though, did I did I read your tweet right, Joe? And I do look at your tweets. You always accuse me of never seeing Yeah, I tweet. think you have me muted or something. I do not have you muted. I do have some people muted. You are not muted. Uh, <laughs> we're doing an OG pizza night? We are going to have OG pizza night, so I might All as well right. workshop this on the air. Sure, why You know, not? Anthony doesn't have – Anthony has – a great space, right on on uh, Person mm. Street there, right across from the Krispy Kreme. But if, if we were to do something, it almost have to be on one of his other nights, right? Because he's so okay. slammed Fridays and Saturdays. So I, I'm thinking now maybe there's a way for our friend Hayes Permar down the street at the Rialto for yeah. us to all get together, have Anthony bring the pizza there. Maybe we watch a hockey game. That's a good idea. I like that. Oh, I, I, I already know. told. I already told I Hayes know. that we had. I already told Hayes we had to do a dirtier dancing theme night at some point in the future Ooh. at the Rialto. <laughs> Whoa, a, a dirtier dancing. All because I found the extra soundtrack. All right, let's get to some Hey Joe questions. This is from Bain. Hey Joe, with State fans calling for Avid's job, how will that affect LeBron's legacy? <sighs> well, thank you, Bain, for for marrying all of our. All of our questions. I appreciate you. Oh my god! I mean, they got they had look. Please, I I think it was uh, I think it was my guy uh, Akula Wolf uh, who said, "Look, man, if you're gonna miss the tournament, miss the freaking tournament. Don't do this. You know, ah, the drama. We get to the the championship and then get left out. Yeah, yep, yeah. Like that's what it is. It's like last year. So in a way, you kind of respect. Hey, look, state state baseball either has it or they don't have it. Simple, uh, simple as that. Uh, from our guy, Ken. What up, Ken and Ashley? Uh, hey, Joe, could you all get Holden Thorpe to weigh in on how something like the Big Ten Academic Alliance may impact realignment, his viewpoint as a researcher and various leadership roles at R1 universities with a large research portfolio could be interesting. Would love to talk to Holden. I've actually communicated with Holden a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and especially with all this realignment stuff, Joe, I always think about our conversation with Holden Thorpe last summer. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him on. I reached out to him. I asked him a question about uh, how to dissolve the conference. And he was like, I think it's in that grant of rights. I was like, it no. Isn't, it, it, no, it's in the grant of rights. It, it's uh, the, it, all, my understanding. Again, this is just my understanding. Yeah, yeah. It, it just takes a simple majority. It just takes the okay. eight. It takes eight to just be like, we're done. But there's one thing that there was one thing that Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, did say in uh, his his gatherings with the media, and we talked about it with Andrew Carter, 
that it, it does it does bear repeating. You can revisit the grant of rights, and maybe there is some conversation about okay, what happens if we do dissolve this thing and renegotiate with ESPN? And that's another possibility that we haven't spent a lot of time exploring because we're too focused on well, if the grant of rights dissolves, that everybody's scrambling like cockroaches to find uh, a safe passage. Who's to say that they might not try to open things up and renegotiate, given how television deals have changed over time? Uh, given how, I mean, now mind you. ESPN's not interested in this because it's say, an incredible. You're relying, you're relying on ESPN's goodwill, yeah. and at this point, if you know anything about ESPN, they're not about to spend more money if they don't have to. Yeah, you're relying on the generosity of ESPN. I would not count on that. Yeah, I would not count on that either. All right, this is from David. Hey, Joe, how should the Canes set up their goaltending for the Eastern Conference Final? Should Table play? Is he playoff ready? All right, let's get to the Table part first. I don't know if he's playoff ready. Uh, we know that Rod Brindamore is not going to give that away. Uh, I would not. I, again, we're, this is at nine thirty-six in the morning as we're having this conversation, and I'm not going to morning skate today. I know you're going to be headed out there, Joe, because I got to do the nine one nine Vice podcast. Shout out to that. Um, he 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 was on the ice on what was it Monday, but I never really got the indication that he'd be ready to go or he's going to be at playoff ready speed. It's just a good you know point of progress back as far as the goaltending is concerned, Joe. I mean, it's Freddie, right? You got to go Freddie at this point. That's why you yeah. brought him here. Yep, I think it's Freddie, and then you, you could feel confident in, in Ansi Ranta if you have to go to him in a situation. Uh, but like Rod has said all along, and how I will now answer every single goaltending question, <laughs> he just needs the goaltender to give them a chance. I think Freddie did that in the previous round. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder if this isn't a Bobrovsky series, though. I okay. thought the Toronto series was and if he can stay hot i do ultimately i I got i'm i'm the bad guy because i actually think florida is going to win this series oh all right and i think because of bobrovsky all right we'll have to explore that a little bit more next week uh this is from dj burns enthusiast hey joe kane's player or players do you think will step up and make a difference against the panthers in this series i don't think it's anybody about stepping up i think it's just about the classic sydney low hockey enthusiast uh, mantra Joe of your best players need to be your best players. Well, it's funny, you know, you look at that last series and Jordan Martinook, I think would have qualified for this answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is there going to be somebody who has 10 points in this series? I, I do think it will be an up and down series. This is, this is where I get back to Bobrovsky. He he only gave up two goals in each of the games. The Canes have only won one game in the playoffs this year where they've scored three, three goals or fewer. And that's a problem. Um, so Seth Jarvis jumps to my mind as somebody who I love and I think could unlock kind of in an, in a fast pace up and down series, which I anticipate this to be. Uh, but let's go back to that last regular season game, right? Like that, that was a playoff game. We said it at the time. It was a straight up playoff game. Uh, yes. I think it's going to look a lot like that. Kings All right. That this game, is, they did, did, did from, uh, from Barney Caton. What's the over-under on Eric Stahl goals for the series? Well, certainly Eric's not going to get motivated by his brother Jordan because he didn't give you any answers. I didn't butter him up, didn't do anything. Yeah, just kind of kept Eric at play, Nothing. right? Nothing. For, uh, I mean, look, I'll you tried. You tried. I, both ways, right? Uh, I'll right. set it at one and a half. I think he'll score twice. All but right. I'm, I'm an right. Eric Stahl apologist. So. 
you i've i've noticed that as that's interesting that, that is interesting I, I did not realize that about you well i, I, don't, uh, I don't brother, have your radio scars so i wasn't there for the, for that's the trying fine. times that's right Whew, man it's a brutal time all right <laughs> hey joe if wake county folks voted on a new stadium during the canes down years would they vote no i think they're going to be voting no on any sort of new stadium when it comes to the carolina hurricanes uh, going forward downtown stadiums just we have this conversation yeah. a lot it comes up i understand why the play is to develop the area around pnc arena because the hurricanes are a triangle team not a raleigh team we every time we get obsessed with a downtown raleigh arena we are completely cutting off the fact that a lot of canes fans come in from Cary, apex holly springs garner fuquay all over the place, Durham, Chapel Hill. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, Durham, <laughs> Durham, the airport. People do not want to go <laughs> to go full Stephen A. I, I didn't go full Stephen A. I didn't go the full Stephen A. From, from tiny Salisbury. So regardless, people don't want to go downtown. And the arena is set up perfectly, and that redevelopment is the most important part of this, Joe. I also think it's important to note, like, unlike Charlotte's old building, unlike Orlando's old building, I think the bones are there at PNC to keep the bones and yes. re-renovate it in such a way that you turn the front of it, which with the sports book coming and some of those other things. Yep. I, I think you could really tweak that thing. I would love to see them blow up that lower bowl and restart over because of they you know, remember there was a uh, popsicle contest and they wanted to have more seats than the Smith center. And quite frankly, that they, they screwed up the the infrastructure of that yeah. lower bowl, the, the, the seat size of the lower bowl. I want to yeah. see them blow that thing up and just that area, redo it, add some of those amenities. I think they can do it. That's the good news. All right. From Todd. Hey, Joe, there's been plenty Todd, of really good Todd, 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 Todd. Phase four, Marvel stuff, Falcon, Winter Soldier, No Way Home, Moon Knight, Multiverse of Madness, Guardians 3. But why does the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, feel like it's empty and aimless lately? Well, because they don't have a big bad. I was going to say, we don't have Thanos. We don't have Russia. We don't have the bad guy to root against. Right. It's it's as simple as that. I mean, I'm not saying that they're right. Some of these movies have been pretty entertaining. I have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3 yet. I'm waiting to do the Jillio order. Of whatever it is they get to this end point in whatever phase they're in, I'll just watch them scatterbrained and then try to piece we'll, it together. We'll, right? we'll do a wheel. <laughs> what do I watch today? All right, I watch Loki season two. What's next? Ah, let's go back to Guardians of the Galaxy three. But stuff already happened. I don't care. Um, yeah, it's really that simple. People are trying to like overthink what's going on with MCU. The first phase or the first couple phases were really simple. They had one big bad guy, and it was all leading up to the movie in which they defeat the big bad guy. It's not complicated, folks. It is not complicated. All right, and we'll close things with our friend Al Hood over from Tar Heel Blog. One, not for tomorrow, but whatever, but just in general, that awesome T-shirt you had on today. I think he's referencing the, the Runaway um, Homegrown Series shirt that he must have missed. Yes, you, you did miss that shirt. Uh, that one of the advantages of being a triangle media influencer, Joe, and that's what I am, a triangle media influencer. I now. noticed that on your bio, yeah. Uh, that occasionally you get you get the hookup. And that was when they were first doing the Homegrown series for the Carolina Hurricanes where they had local T-shirt makers, artists, uh, beer, food. 
Runaway, which no longer exists out of Durham, I love their stuff, had done that really, really cool design where, you know, it was like a, a Reaper hanging on top of a warthog of some sort. Love that shirt. Like this one that I got on right now is uh, for the fan, the Canes fan group. The I don't know if they exist anymore, the Rowdies. Uh, this was with the 919 MLB guys. How's um, it going? Yeah, so I, I got all sorts of shirts, man. I got too many shirts. I got stuff up in the attic. I got stuff under the bed. I got way too many, man. I, I have a problem. Just like you have a problem with shoes, Joe, I got a problem with shirts. I got too many damn shirts. Anyway, it's going to wrap it up for this edition of Ovius and Gilio. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed, liked, commented, rated five stars. I see those star ratings going up. We're, we're at a solid five stars. Uh, on Apple Podcasts right now. We're a solid five stars on Spotify. So shout out to everybody uh, who's thrown us five stars. And even for some of you haters that have put one star on Apple, because I see you, it's not enough to block our shine. We still got the five stars. So anyway, in all seriousness, thanks to everybody who's uh, participated so far. We're going to keep this thing going. And we will see you all next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.